last week's episode was a resounding <laughs> success, which is a bit weird. Thank you, everyone, for the nice words. We are uh, a bit, bit taken aback, to be honest. Uh, very humbled, I'd yeah. say. It was. It's lovely to have such just generous appreciation of Dom, our rambling. Dom texted me last Tuesday night when he when when it was finished, and he said, uh, "It's actually a quite a nice chat." Or it could be we've jumped the shark. <laughs> And I just closed my eyes. It was about 12 o'clock. I went, oh no, what have we done? So anyway, thank you so much for the kind words. Um, we may do something like that again down the road. Yeah, next week, because I've got, I've got so many more stories. <laughs> I want to play some banjo. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> I want to play that A part of the guest jig. <laughs> uh, so this week. I had... I had um, Many profound insights since last week that I wanted to share with you. No, about, Let's get into it. But I can't remember any of them now. That's all I was going to say. It's like I can't remember. Them. I've been swimming in the sea every day and at an appropriate social distance. Isn't it? Very far away from anybody. And I, uh, I have nothing to say. It doesn't matter. Let's just move on. No, go on. I want to know. What well, I actually can't. I actually literally can't remember them. I. I but there's, it's been a very. You were going for swimming, thinking about the conversation. A, it's been a very full-on week, um, in for everybody. I'm sure everyone who's listened to this, no matter what country they're in, right? It's just such an interesting, strange, uh, quite scary moment, and um, that's about all that I can say about it. So, uh, on the upside, at the at the beginning of last week's episode, we put a call out there to anyone that's listening if they can make any suggestions for us so we had a few suggestions come in one which i hadn't been thinking about which was suggestions of people and uh this was such a brilliant suggestion it was the first person i messaged as soon as i got it so john from the session.org messaged me and he said you need you guys need to t- talk to some of the people on here jeremy for example who started the whole session you, you need to talk to him and that was such a penny drop moment particularly in the time that we are we're trying to create a little community for ourselves and the biggest community that's that's on there for Irish music Jeremy's the man who made it so reached out to Jeremy and then he because of his background showed us all this new technology that's been able to keep our audio levels to where we would like it actually still be able to maintain a level of of crack I suppose during the interview which so Jeremy thank you so much for doing that in the first instance and then secondly for the brilliant interview so so this is jeremy keith so darren when you for listeners who aren't familiar with session.org when what is it so session.org is a i want to say it's a message board but it's more than that so it's and um, jeremy goes into a lot more detail but it's a place where people can um leave tunes so write out the notation the abc notation for tunes it's also a place where people can list the sessions in their area and it is global if you want to find a session anywhere in the world put it into the session and you'll find you'll find that a particular session in that area if there's not one in that area on that same area you say i'm going to be in like i did i'm in tokyo from this date to this date is there a session and people are sitting waiting to answer those questions and they'll point you in the right direction or you can host one yourself then the other part of it is a general discussion board which Mm -hmm. is that's a treasure trove it can cover anything from 
the oddest names of tunes that anyone can think of to different names for the same tune to uh, it get as gets as granular as you'd like and um, yeah it's, it's it's just a fantastic there's a good bit of banter on there too yeah, which yeah is good yeah. and one one thing that um we should mention as well it was just it blew our mind was that when we interviewed Tracy McKeague in a previous episode and she mentioned that when she first came to Australia she was looking to reach out to find musicians and that's where she went she went to session.org and said is there any music going on we're looking to hook up with some people just to have a play you know um, they just moved here from Ireland and that's how they ended up finding a, a whole community of players and um, and we'll talk about that a little bit in this interview but the hilarious thing was after the episode went out yeah well I was on I think I was checking on that episode on on the session I was replying to something and I wish I had the name with me of the user on the session it's a, um, a Welsh gentleman I'm almost 99% sure it was pulls up the actual post that had been posted 17 years 18 years previously and it was still on there you don't get message boards that do that you don't like there are I, I reckon only a handful of of discussion boards out there which has an archive that goes back that far and you can pull up conversations from 2003 yeah and and, and what will come across as well when we're talking to Jeremy in this in this conversation is just that he has like um, some of my work that I've done over the years has been oral history recording and I, I love the idea of archiving people's voices and archiving people's stories and so the session.org amongst the many other things that it is it's an archive and um, that's just a beautiful thing that's at, at the time that we're living in ar- archives have never been never been more important they've never been more important it's just that's a um, so anyway, I'm uh, super excited about this episode, and uh, we hope you enjoy it. It's it's bloody brilliant. So. Enjoy. Thank you. 
Jeremy Keith, thank you so much for taking time out and being on the Blarney Pilgrims. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. And uh, this is our very first, uh, what would you call it? It's a online episode recording across the sea. So, Jeremy, you're in Brighton in the UK at the moment. Is that right? That is right. I am in Brighton and I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Myself and Tom are in my shed again in Bowenheads in Australia. Uh, so what what did we just hear? Oh, that was a couple of um, jigs by Junior Crean, the uh, Claire Fiddler. Um, I really like his his tunes. Do you, do you have names, some names for them at all? Um, the first one's called uh, Lurdecon, I think, and or I, I just know it as Junior Creans. And then the, the second one is the Mist on the Mountain or the Mist Covered Mountain. Yeah, lovely. So, Jeremy, how, how did you get into into this? I know we had a chat the other day, and it's kind of similar to well, my story a bit. You were you got into it much much later than than most after you left Ireland, right? Yeah, yeah, it wasn't something I. I I wasn't into the Irish music at all when I was growing up in in Ireland. Um, it was kind of always the um, very uncool, kind of stodgy thing. The the See, where did you music. grow up? Um, in Cove, in County Cork, um, on the on the south coast. Uh, I was actually born in England, so my my mother's Irish, my father was English, and um, they were living in in London uh, when I was born. But um, they moved back to Ireland when I was about three or four years old. Um, so then I grew up there in, in Cove. Um, and yeah, there was never any real, there wasn't that much exposure for, to, to the traditional Irish music then. And, and what there was, like I said, it was just like, uh, you know, rolling your eyes, that stuff kind of, you know, that, uh, that, that, uh, diddly eyes stuff. You wouldn't, you know, if you were a cool kid, you wouldn't want to be into that stuff. You want to be into, you know, the rock and the roll. What what you're missing here, Jeremy, is the huge smile on my face. <laughs> huge smile on my face. It sounds familiar. Like, I feel like so, yeah, and I always feel so guilty. Yeah, expressing that like it's and it's such crude, harsh terms to say you like cool and but that's what it. Yeah. Like that, unfortunately, that's when you're a young lad. That's what matters cool to you, right? Means yeah, a yeah. fucking lot. Like that's yeah, really, really matters. Tried in Drogheda neither for me and my group of friends. Just that wasn't what you were doing. Like I was into techno and DJing, and you know yeah. that was that. That was how I was going to meet women. <laughs> I wasn't going to get it by picking up in my bazooki. And then you know, there was so a lot that, of there was a lot of baggage as well. Seemed to go along with it. Like the the music was seemed to be tied to the language, which was the thing you know you hated because you were made to learn it in school, and all of it was kind of tied to the politics as well. It was all kind of a, something you didn't really want to want to go near and i think i think these days it's it's all a bit more untangled you know and um you can just take one without having to take the other which i think is a good thing when when you're talking about the politics there um what do you mean by that well just so i was growing up in the 70s and 80s so mm -hmm. you know there was still the troubles are going on up north not that that was in any way affecting my life down in in Cove, I mean, might as well have been on the other side of the world, really. But there was, you know, this uh, general globbing together of the music, the language, and the the, the politics of of uh, you know republicanism. Um, and and like I said, so I I was actually born in England, and my father's English. So even though I think of myself as Irish and I feel Irish, I've also you know got this kind of balance from like. I don't think things are quite that black and white, and I don't think it's as simple as those 
songs would be making out, you know, at least, <laughs> you know, everything seemed very, very black and white with no shades of gray. And like, I'm not so sure about that. And um, yeah, it was all kind of tied together. So anything to do with that, that whole side of things was like, yeah, I'm just going to not, not go near uh, any of that, that kind of stuff, I guess. And it was only years later that I got into the music. Was it, was it in any way awkward then, uh, um, you know, amongst your peers, like amongst, you know, when you're at school and stuff and um, there are those sentiments that are swirling around or were there, were those sentiments not swirling around? I mean, like, I'm I'm just essentially wondering what the North even looked like from the vantage point of Cove during well, that like period. Said, it was pretty much like another planet, to be honest. It was like this, <laughs> it was this far away thing. Yeah, um, certainly as, as a child, you know, growing up in Cove, like literally it couldn't be any further away. Um, you know, everyone had opinions, I guess, and the adults would all have their opinions. Some of our teachers had very strong opinions, I'll say that. Um, but yeah, it was like they might have been talking about Vietnam or, you know, Palestine or something. Um, it didn't really feel like it was it was actually that close um, to me. And I didn't, no, I didn't get any, you know, I don't, not that I recall, you know, being like I said, half Irish, half English. I don't recall any bullying or any uh, remarks about that. But I don't know, it might have happened. And you know, when you're a kid, you just brush things off anyway. So I think, like the music and what you're saying about not wanting to be in like into the diddly idol music. I actually had a question that I thought would come up much later, but I'll jump into it now. Is like, anyone that's listened to this before will know, like my kind of. I'll, I'll dub Dom in first, if Hobbit doesn't mind, and I'll say mine. So Dom, growing up in the north, it was that he was in Northern Ireland, which had the British presence, and there was everything else that was going on. So there was a disconnect with feeling an association or feeling a connection to Ireland. I grew up in Drogheda. Um, it wasn't cool. Like it, That wasn't cool. Jeez, I'm using that word too much. But that is the. it wasn't Dublin, and mm-hmm. Dublin had a bit of kind of swagger to it. And it also wasn't the country, and it was a kind of like – yeah, I, I feel like I couldn't identify with either that kind of Dublin working class hero or the Seamus Heaney. Um, not Seamus Heaney. Who am I thinking of? Um, <laughs> I don't know. Bobby Sands. Name? Bobby Sands. No, the other one. Oh, Stony Grey Soil of Monan. Paddy Kavanagh. Paddy Kavanagh. Paddy Kavanagh. Okay. But anyway, you're just it's it's it wasn't rural and it wasn't uh, yeah. country. So I have this kind of from the pale. So I didn't feel like I was from real Ireland. Now you're down in Cork, which in my mind's eye would have been smack in the middle of what I call real Ireland in in my mind. Yeah, Did but, you- but Cove as well was in that Cove was in that that weird in between where it's like you're fifteen twenty miles away from the big city, you know, which is Cork, mm-hmm. which isn't that big a city, but definitely you weren't in a city, you were in a town, but it was you know, a big enough town that you were in a town and not the country. So yeah, it was the same kind of halfway feeling. I wasn't, you know, connected to the land or anything like you'd feel if you were in a small village in County Clare or something. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't certainly feeling this um, urban feeling like you'd get in a, in a city. It was that, that halfway just kind of, yeah, you know, it's a town could pretty much be any town in Ireland, really. What what were you hearing then when you were growing up as a youngster? And I, and I mean, like even even very early, you know, the the things that you hear that you have no control over. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, what was on the radio, right? It would be the, the top forty stuff. So, like I said, growing up in the seventies, it would have been, you know, disco. 
basically right. the country a lot of country because you know it's ireland and they love their country were your mum and dad into the into the country stuff no not really um no my mother was actually into some fairly cool music um back then like she would she was you know she was into the beatles and you know she'd have an album of abba and uh some stuff that you know be all right and uh my dad was was into was into cool music as well. Although he had some, I think he had some. Maybe it was my mother had some Dubliners albums, um, in the, in the record collection. That apparently, when I was like one or two years old, I just completely scratched the entire record collection to pieces. So we better not talk about that. But um, <laughs> no, my mother does so. So my my mother, um, she she grew. She's from Middleton, um, uh, not that far away from Cove, and she ended up moving to London. Gosh, I guess in her late teenage years, and this was the '60s. So she's got some fantastic stories of, you know, being being a young person in London in the '60s. Sounds, you know, she'll just casually drop things like, you know, oh yeah, there was that time, you know, remember when the Beatles played that concert on the rooftop and and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but she did talk about going to see the, the Dublin. So she, obviously, she was hanging out with other Irish people. You know, she made friends for life with these these people. That she was uh, other other Irish young young people, and they would go to see you know the Dubliners playing at the the Albert Hall and putting on a fantastic live show. So she talks very fondly about that, but it wasn't something that I was hearing much of. You know, when we moved back to Ireland and and growing up, that wasn't really the music that would have been playing much. Um, like I said, I would I would just be hearing was on the radio. Is that then where she met your dad? Yeah, that's right in London. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. They had a quite a whirlwind romance, really. They hadn't been going out that long when I think he proposed, right, let's get married. And yeah, they got married. And uh, then, so they lived They lived there um, for a couple of years. Um, my brother came along first. He's two years older than me, than myself. And then, like I said, we moved back to Ireland when I was about three years old, so sort of early 70s. And um, my father died soon after that, actually not long after we moved back to Ireland. So I was quite young. I don't really have that many memories of him and I don't have memories of him dying. But obviously it was a very tough time for, for my mother. And my mother tells me about, you know, that I took it hard and that was a tough time for me as well. But in a way, it's almost it's almost fortunate that I was so young that I don't really have the the too many scars from that, I guess. Um, but yeah, then it was my mother um, bringing up my, my brother and myself in Cove. Do you know why they moved back to Ireland from England? That's a good question, actually. Um, I mean, obviously, I guess my mother would have liked to have been, well, I don't know, she loved London as well, so maybe she would have been the one that would have been fine with staying in London. But um, I think it was to do with um, raising a family that it's just had the feeling it's going to be easier to do that in Ireland than in, certainly in London, you know, the big, big city. That's uh, not an easy place to, to bring up kids. Um I, I expect that was the reason. I know my my father was quite into it. I think he's you know he was up for the adventure of uh, moving to a different country. What what did he do for for work? That's a good question. I think he did all kinds of things. I mean, again, my mother <laughs> will tell me things out of the blue, like, "Oh, your dad did this, your dad." Did this. He worked in all sorts of places. I remember um, at one time he was in London at the uh, the ICA, the Institute for Contemporary Arts, I think. Um, but yeah, just all sorts. Of of jobs, yeah. Um, yeah. I don't think he had one particular career that that he was doing. And then, are are you, are you aware how your mum 
made ends meet after he died then? Like, how do you, how do you go she, about? She, she, she got a pension. I know that. So whatever whatever job he did have, there was there was a pension involved. So she was able to to live off that while she was uh, bringing up the, the two of us. So you you said the two of you. So was that a brother or sister? A uh, brother, yeah, yeah. My brother Ian. He's uh, t- two years older than me, and uh, he's he's uh, in Ireland. He's in Dublin um, now. Yeah, he's actually. He's, um, we're very, very, very different uh, <laughs> in many ways, personality wise and stuff. And uh, he's he's now an ultra runner. Ian Keith. He does like uh, these, you know days long races and stuff yeah. and competes in like the Barkley marathons and things like these these crazy races and um that's that's pretty much the opposite of me that's like so he's he's doing all that all within two kilometers of his house <laughs> yeah i wonder how he's finding it now actually he must yeah. be he must be going spare although he did one time i think he did like a six day race or something where it was all in one stadium where it was literally going around in circles for six days or something so well, and then, i actually i embarrassingly watched not embarrassingly good on him a guy ran a marathon and he was in london in his backyard yeah, during the I week on, that. on Facebook. Yeah. That's fantastic. Anyway, I digress. So what kind of was there any instruments in the house when growing up? Were you playing music at all? No, no, none at all. And um certainly in school as well, there was I don't even recall that there was any music classes. If there were, they were they were very well hidden. Um uh, <laughs> it's, it's not something I was, you know, that crazy about doing anyway, till you know, you get you get to your teenage years and then you you decide you have to be able to play the guitar, right? It's it's just a, you know, if you want to be cool, you've got to be able to play guitar. So that was probably the first time I thought I should try and learn a musical instrument. And so what were you playing? Sing. What music? Uh, oh, I would have been into, well, you know, I would have been into Dylan and Scullion? Neil Young and all that. No, <laughs> that would have been verging on the uncool stuff, you see. <laughs> the edge. That's how uncool I am. You should know that by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, no, I would have been, you know, the the the, the classic kind of um, bedset music, I guess, you know, the Dylan and Neil Young and, and Leonard Cohen, and then later on, I would have gotten, into, you know, been into indie music, so REM and um, the Water Boys and all this kind of stuff, and that's probably, you know, when I started to get into the mandolin, was seeing seeing it played in a cool way, I suppose, by the cool bands. And I thought, oh yeah, I like this <laughs> instrument. Um, uh-huh. So they, I think, I think I got a mandolin basically because of. REM and and the Waterboys and bands like that and the Waterboys is you know they, they they were responsible for kind of making Irish music cool right because you know you had been into them for the the indie rock stuff and then they came along with Fisherman's Blues what was that eighty six eighty seven yeah and and it, it's mixing it up uh, yeah I mean I think that's a that's a fair point I sort of hated it but there's no denying it it was everywhere. All the time for about fifteen years, you couldn't go into a pub, but you would hear yeah, virtually every it song. Really, in that it really, really was everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in every every <laughs> pub, every pub band was playing Fisherman's Blues. Yeah, Bang on the Ear and all that. But you know, I was into that stuff, and that was that. That might have been the the gateway. Actually, that might have been the 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 door. That was your gateway open. drug. I think it was. I think I think the one. look at you. Gateway drug. Yeah. <laughs> And then, like I said, it was, you know, moving away from Ireland, that's definitely what seals the deal, right? Somehow, all the stuff that you didn't care about at all when you're actually living in Ireland, as soon as you move away, it's like, oh, I miss, I miss this and I miss that and all the stuff that, you know, suddenly you're, you're more Irish than you ever were before. 
Yeah, really want to dig into that. But before we do it, do you reckon we could have another tune or a set yeah, of tunes, sure. whatever you prefer? Let's see. Uh, how about this? Fantastic. What was that? Kid in the Mountain? That was uh, Pipe on the Hob. Uh, Pipe on the Hob. Yeah. From <laughs> I that... knew it was the something on the something. <laughs> yeah, there's something on the something. The kid the kid on the hob, Pipe on the Mountain. So you, you moved away. You, so you've got you got mandolin, you're playing a bit of mandolin, you moved away somewhere. It was where we well, were before. Yeah, so um, I was growing up in Cove, and then uh, I did go to art college in Cork for a little while. So that wasn't moving away that far. That was just, you know, like I say, 15, 20 miles away. But yeah, I got a flat in the city. Um, but I didn't last too long in art college. I was um, not very good. So I dropped out before they could have the satisfaction of uh, kicking me out. <laughs> um, and then actually, I, that, the summer, my first summer when I was art college, I went off to Galway during the summer and I was kind of just, you know, um, camping out in Galway, which was kind of the the lively, fun place to be for, for young people. And that was definitely um, where I started to play a lot more music, you know, with other people. Again, it, w- it wouldn't have been the trad. It would have been, you know, busking on the streets with other musicians, doing the doing the Waterboy songs, doing the, the Dylan and the R.E.M. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I ended up, after after getting, uh, leaving arts college, I, I did move to Galway for a bit, um, where, again, I was surrounded by this trad music and I, did, I wasn't that into it like not not that pushed at all and and looking back I think you know what a wasted opportunity there was the amazing musicians all around me and I was like oh more the jigs and the reels whatever but um but like I say I think the door had been opened with with stuff like the water boys to a certain extent and then I was did start to get into a bit more and a friend of mine Polly she played fiddle and she as well she start with she wasn't doing the the tunes you know she was um She's you know playing songs with the rest of us, but she started to get into the 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 tunes and hanging out with people who are playing tunes all the time. And then at some point, I heard the Bothy band, you know, and thought this is simultaneously diddly music and cool. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's pretty rock Resist. and roll stuff. Yeah, that's that's yeah. why I'd, I'd play that tune there. I mean, 
played it pretty terribly. But you know, I distinctly remember hearing tunes like that on the that 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 the Bossy Band live album after hours. That uh, was the one in Paris. Yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. No, that's this stuff sounds great. You know, um, never thought I'd be able to play that stuff, but you know, I, I just that's that's got to be one of the the great live albums of all time of any genre. I mean, just from the first moment that you hear anything, yeah. you hear that whistle. Well, that's the one you put me onto. That's you got me into hooked on this via that album too. You're like, when you need to listen to it, is this one. And uh, even down to that whistle. It's mad. It's just um <laughs> that it's, it's like definitely bursting, the way drugs bursting out at you. Yeah. I remember, remember a friend of mine years later saying that we'd like if he was lying in bed in the morning, he needed, you know, the motivation to get out of bed. He'd put that he'd put on um Farewell to Aaron on that album. And he'd stay mm-hmm. lying in bed while the fiddle went round that tune one time unaccompanied. And then as soon as the Donalani bazooki comes in with that kind of Pete Townsend power chord that's when he would leap out of bed, you know, doing the doing the windmill kind of guitar movement. Um, I think I've yeah, got my new New Year's resolution. Yeah. <laughs> and so I know it's like I listen idea. to it. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's it's it, it is uh, it's powerful stuff. Yeah, that that album is great. It's it's yeah that that was definitely one that made me you know start to get into the stuff. And then yeah, I, you know, I heard Planksty and um, heard like the, the the Paul Brady Andy Irvine album. Um, which actually got me into some of the songs as well, which was something I, even when I was getting into the tunes, I thought, okay, the tunes are good, but I'm not that into the songs. And then Paul Brady kind of changed my mind there. Cause I'm like, okay, actually some of the songs are pretty good too. Um, but yeah, so I was living in Galway for a bit. And then I was, I did a classic thing of, um, just going off trying to see the world, you know, as a young person and, um, I had no money. So it was, um, hitchhiking and busking was how I was doing it. Um, um, myself and my friend Polly, that, that fiddle player, we would uh, travel around, you know, for a few weeks, um, going to different countries in Europe. Um, but again, not playing tunes. This would been, you know, playing songs, um, mandolin. And did you still have the? Fiddle. Did you still have the idea in your head of of like an, an artistic life? You know, um... it, it's funny. I don't. I don't know if I had anything in my head. To be honest, I was just like <laughs> bumming around. Um, you know, I was back in Ireland. I'd be on the dole um then i'd go off and uh busk and hitch around you know in retrospect it looks like i was waiting for the world wide web to come along so i'd have something to do with my life but um i don't think i had any particular plans at all and certainly when i was living in galway galway is not a place for making plans <laughs> galway, mm. galway is like uh it's like the certainly back then this was um early 90s like late 80s early 90s it was like the slacker capital it's like if you wanted to just hang out, play music and not do much else. Galway was the place to be, you know. Right. Um, and I did, you know, I, I just hung out, um, played some music and didn't do much else really. Mm-hmm. So so was there, um, uh, was there a moment then when you made the transition into the, the work that you're doing now, which is, which is um, as a, I guess you're, are you a web designer or are you? Yeah. I mean, the, the terminology changes all the time, whether it's web designer, web developer, web master, whatever yeah. we used to call it. Um, yeah. yeah, that happened when I was, I ended up in Germany. So kind of as a result of the the busking and, and hitching around, I ended up in Germany at one point. Actually, it, it really started in Galway because um, one time I was out busking in Galway, in Mandolin, and um, met up with this young German guy 
And he mentioned that he had, I think, bongos with him, some kind of percussion thing. And he said, yeah, let's play. And uh, he was great. Terrific um, percussionist. Anyway, he ended up becoming a lifelong friend, George. And he was just, you know, over in Ireland on his holidays. He was, I guess, in his last year of school or something. And he said, you know, you should come visit me in Germany. And seeing as I was, you know, just bumming around, uh, hitching and busking, I thought, all right, I will. Uh, and ended up visiting him and we'd stay in touch. And then when I was back in Ireland, not doing anything, no particular plans, um, I'd get a letter from him. I think this was before email. It was letters. And he'd say, oh, I'm going to college now in um, this town called Freiburg in southern Germany. And it's a really fun town. And yeah, come visit me. I was like, okay, I'll come for a visit. So that, I, I don't know, that would have been like 93, 94 maybe. So I went for a visit and ended up staying for six or seven years. Because... Uh, right. It was a good, you know, good town. It was a fun place. Um, again, I was I was busking um, for the first few years. I was kind of just on the street, um, making making enough money to to get by. I wasn't paying rent, you know, staying in different people's places. Um, but uh, at some point, I, I ended up getting a, a proper job. Uh, I think it was selling selling bread in a bakery. That was that was the day job, um, and. At this point, you know, I had a good circle of friends and I'd met uh, my future wife, Jessica, and we were we were playing music in a band together, um, kind of rock, sort of indie rock band. And it was decided that we should have one of these new websites that everyone's talking about, because the web, this is like mid-90s now, that people are starting to talk about the World Wide Web and more people have computers at this point. Um, and I thought, oh, I'd, I'd like to give that a go. And so that was kind of how I started doing the web thing, was making a website for um, the first band I was in, in, in Germany. And it sort of kicked off from there. And I really, really, really liked doing it. And then uh, people asking me to make websites for their band and people offering to pay me to make websites for their bands. Um, you say, you yeah. say that as though the, it was just a sort of, it's like digging a hole. You know, you, all you need is a shovel <laughs> and away you go. But <laughs> there's a bit well, more it, to it than that, especially at that point, right? When there were, it's not like everything was ready made and you. Well, um, and it's, not, it's not as tricky as as I think people assume it will be. Um, I mean, I had, I had exposure to computers earlier in my life when I was growing up. Um, you know, not to sound like the old the old guy back in my day, but you know, I had a ZX eighty one computer back in nineteen eighty one, oh, yeah. which had one K of RAM. Um, so I was exposed to the idea of, of basic, you know, programming in base, not really programming, yeah. but you know, at least typing things into a computer to make it try and do what you want. So <laughs> when um, when I tried to make a website, it's, well, here's the great thing: the web at this point there was already lots of people sharing how to make anything really and how to make websites. Mm. So once you had an internet connection, you could you could look up. People were freely sharing the information, you know, step one, step two, here's how you do this, here's how you do that. Um, so if you were up for it, you could certainly, um, you know, find everything you need. And that's still true today, you know, that people do share and people are encouraging. And, um, and I, I still try to do that today. There's a, there's a group called uh, Code Bar in different cities around the world where, they teach people, un, uh, teach people who are underrepresented in technology, you know, how to get started with making websites, you know, HTML and CSS and all this stuff. Um, and it's really enjoyable to to pass it on, to try and help other people get that same feeling of, oh, yeah, I made this thing and I put it out there and now it's on the web and anyone can visit it. Um, so I, I, I did take to it 
very much. I, I really enjoyed the, the the feeling of making websites. Um, and for a while, I was I was freelancing. I was, I was kind of doing websites on the side and still working in the bakery by day, uh, selling bread. And at some point, I was able to literally give up the day job and start doing websites full time, which uh, which was a good feeling. I, I love that you mentioned the fact that uh, it was all sharing and and there was people willing to people were and are willing to take time to teach new people when i was doing a bit of research over the last few days one thing that had been rattling around in my mind i wish i can remember which article it was in maybe it was something you wrote but it was essentially the you had said that the the web is made up of people hmm. and and i'm trying to think what the, what the context was leading into that but it, it was essentially you had said at the end well the web is made up of the people and I, that was planted the seed of and not just plant to see, reminded me of a reoccurring theme that myself and Tom talk about the music and how the music is one thing and on its own, it's nothing. It's the people that that, that make it up, right? Yeah, and absolutely. I, I, yeah. I keep on finding these, and I think probably because we're speaking with you, that the communities that are built around the music or within the music are really the driving force behind it all. What are these communities? And you have, you, like, you, you are the father of one of the biggest online large communities are the biggest really like uh, uh, there's nothing else that would come near it right we're talking about the session uh, for anyone that yeah. session.org anyone that doesn't know or isn't familiar so c- could you just give us a, a, a how, how do you summarize the session well I, I do describe it as as a community um and the way i feel about it is that i'm i'm kind of just the caretaker because all of the stuff that makes the session valuable you know the tunes the listings of sessions um, listings of track listings of recordings, all that stuff. Um, I've added very little of that. Most of that has come from other people. So I've kind of put the infrastructure in place and set the the wheels in motion, and then other people add the real the real value to it. Um, so yeah, I kind of think of myself as the the, the janitor of of the session in a way. Um, when it started, when I was in Germany, when I was getting into making websites. I made a website for the band. I think I'd made my website for myself to say, you know, hire me. I'm a web designer. And then <laughs> I was I was well into the Irish music at this point because, like I said, I think a few years now out of Ireland, of course, I'm like, oh, Ireland, my home, my heart, you know, <laughs> totally into playing Irish tunes. Um, and there were there were other people in in this town in Germany as well. There was even an Irish club, which was great. Like we'd meet up and, and play songs and tunes together. Um, and some some great musicians. There's a piano accordion player called Greg. There was this English bazooki player, Michael. Um, so I was having you know a good time playing Irish music. And with the making websites, and I, I, I definitely had this feeling, I want to do something to do with Irish music. Because back then it seemed like people would make websites just, just to say, I really like this thing, or I'm really into... I remember showing um, the World Wide Web to my, my friend Chris, who was the singer in the band, and like showing him a website about some particular singer or band and it was really, you know, um, full of content and full of information. And he was like, this is great, but why is this person putting this website online? Like, Why are they doing it? What's their motivation? And I didn't have an answer, but I, I, I kind of understood the motivation. I knew why you would want to just put something online and go, hey, check this out. Here's something I'm really into. And that just by itself is, is satisfaction enough. So I wanted to do that with with Irish music. So I made this little website where I would put up one tune a week. 
um, you know, I put up the, the sheet music and the ABC notation of one tune. And this was the start of the session. Um, at some point, I, I got that domain name. I can't remember when that happened. Um, and I was putting up a tune every week. And then I would gradually add to it. So I added the ability to for people to leave comments on the tunes. Um, and it was all going on fine, but there was an obvious time limit built in, which was how many tunes I knew, which wasn't that many, really. Um, so I... <laughs> I was getting better at making websites too. I thought, I think I can change this so that it's not just me putting up a tune every week, but that you know other people could submit um, tunes in ABC format, and then I could convert it into sheet music. And so that was about, I think, about 1999, maybe 2000, that it kind of had this first overhaul into the start of what it is today, which is this community site where it's much less about me putting stuff up there and all about other people adding stuff. I think I might yeah. have added sessions at that point as well i can't maybe that maybe that came later but you know it's, it's it's gone through evolution over time to and and generally the evolution has been to widen it out and make it more about um other people being able to contribute right so i i want to ask you a lot more about that but maybe uh, do you fancy uh taking a crack at another tune before that sure um i'll play a tune that uh that reminds me of that time back in Germany, uh, playing with with those musicians, Greg Kenny, the accordion player, and Michael Hale, the bazooki player, and George, the, who was playing Baron at that point. Um, yeah, I'll play a reel called uh, Boys of Malin. Fantastic. Thanks, Jeremy. So, so you have this website, and you're adding little pieces onto it as you go. When does it reach a point where you realize, oh, this is actually kind of snowballing into something really significant? Like I said, it began. It was just me, right? And and I I was deliberately kind of um, doling out the tunes slowly, once a week, which. In retrospect, it was actually kind of a good a good idea because you could also sign up to receive a, an email update when there was a new tune. And so over time, I was building up, you know, um, a good a good list of people who were who were subscribed, who were interested in, in tunes. Um, and I would have been involved in other places on on the internet as well. There was a, a mailing list called Eartrad, 
um, that people hang out and talk about this stuff. So it was all kind of connected. So it was kind of building and building. And then when I did the extra bit of work to open it up to other people to submit, I thought, well, we'll see if anybody actually submits anything. And I was kind of bowled over because, you know, people did submit stuff and they, they kept coming. Um, you know, some you'd, you'd always have some people in particular who just seem to have endless amounts of tunes. And I remember me personally, the, the feeling when I realized um, this is this is kind of crazy, was when there were more than 1,001 tunes because I'd always had the copy of O'Neill's ever since I got into Irish music, you know, before leaving Galway, <laughs> I think, which was, you know, 1,001 tunes. And for me, that was like, oh, my God, 1,001 tunes. Like, that's so many tunes. That's all the tunes there are, surely. Um, and then when, when this website that I had put together had more than what was in O'Neill's, I thought, this this is this is crazy. This is this is kind of kind of nuts, um, and it didn't stop. And you know that's that is an order of magnitude <laughs> more tunes than than in O'Neill's. Um, that, but it, that was definitely the feeling. That was the moment when I felt like, wow, this is this is something else. Would you have a stab in the dark as to how many tunes are up there now? Um, I could actually look it up. I could check the database and and see how many. No. But, <laughs> Uh, well, I, I would say it's, it's around the ten thousand range. Yeah, I, yeah. I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking. Like, I remember. I think I looked the other day, and I thought, "Oh, that's that's more than there are species of birds in the world." <laughs> like, there's, there's kind of nine and a half thousand species of birds, and there's more tunes on the session. So, <laughs> I mean, that's, to be fair, those a lot of the tunes in there, you know, would be you know someone who's just written something and they decided to add it, or something that's not necessarily an Irish tune, but. They played at their session, so they've added it. So um, you could probably cut it in half to get to, you know, the the decent ones. So you characterized yourself as being the janitor in this whole um, mm. edifice that you've built. Um, what are the more onerous duties that you have to do as the janitor on this kind of site? Well, so there's all these different sections in the session. Like I said, it kind of been added over time. The, the tunes part is the main bit of the session. I think when people talk about going to a session, generally it's, you know, look up a tune or, um, you know, get the music for a tune, whatever. So that's the main part. But then you've got these other sections that they're always about something. So the tune section is about a tune, sessions section is about sessions, events, events, so on. And then there's discussions. And that's just anything goes. It's kind of, as long as it's somewhat related to Irish music. And I think because it's not connected to a specific thing, like an album or a tune or a, an event, um, that's where things can sometimes get out of hand or used to get out of hand in the past where people would just get into big arguments um, and they'd be ridiculous as well. It was like, you know, in Gulliver's Travels, there's the, the two nations that go to war about the right way to crack an egg. Um, <laughs> it, it honestly felt like that sometimes. Like you got these two two people who are really, really into Irish music and they've got, you know, so much in common. And yet they disagree on one small point, and you, you, it, you know, it's you, you'd think it was Israel and Palestine the way that the, the the battles are being waged in the discussion discussion section. It was, you know, you kind of want to knock their heads together and go, would you would just take a step back and not realize that you're both really, really into this music? Um, but a lot of that was my fault as well because certainly for for quite a while I had a fairly laissez faire attitude where. You know, I thought it was, you know, fair, everybody should be able to express themselves. Everybody should be able to say what they want. Um, 
And I'd shut things down when they got really out of hand or something. But, you know, you would have to get pretty out of hand. And I came to realize over time that that was pretty much exactly the wrong way to to be managing something that you're going to call a community. Because a community, I think, is defined by what's the worst behavior you'll tolerate. So I always had this kind of, um, you know, house rules on the session. And it always said, look, the main rule here, the only rule is be civil, which is you know, very hard to define. It's kind of one of those, I know it when I see it kind of things. But I decided I was going to get pretty zero tolerant about that. Um, and I did. So, you know, I made it clear, like, people are free to say something that is factually incorrect. So if somebody comes, shows up at a session tomorrow and says, you know, all, all reels are in six, eight time. Fine, you, you can say that if you want. And if there's a follow-on comment by somebody saying, no, you idiot, all reels are 4-4, four, four, that person is going to get suspended. Now, what they've said is technically correct. Reels are 4-4 four, four, or whatever. Um, but the, it was the no, you idiot part that will get them suspended. So I try to make it really clear. It's not about being factually correct. It's not about being right or wrong. It's about how you conduct yourself, how you agree or disagree with someone. And when I did this, you know, there was a, there was definitely a, a vocal group who thought, well, this site has gone to the dogs. You know, it's turned into a, a nanny state <laughs> now. Um, and I, I just accepted that. And some people left the site, you know, weren't into that. It's fine. Some people I, I booted off the site because they just weren't changing their ways. Um, but then what happened over time was you started seeing more and more people who felt that they could contribute and didn't feel, you know, that they were going to get hammered down the first time they opened their mouths to say something. And that was really gratifying to see that actually it, it became a much more welcoming place and there was um, more voices and newer voices as well able to show up and uh, and get a good welcome too. That You know, they show up, they ask, even if it's a quite a naive question, their first question on the session might be quite naive, people will be welcoming and go, well, welcome to the session. Now, here's what you need to understand about X or Y. Um, so I think it's definitely improved, but it's been a long slog. I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, the session.org had a reputation for not being a very nice place or like a bunch of idiots spouting rubbish and arguing. It's just all about arguing, um, which would have been true, I think, of the discussion section, not the tune section, but definitely the discussion section. Um, and that's changed now. I think it really has become a much more civil place. Do you, with your perspective, see... Um Different changes. Obviously, the world is in a very peculiar place at the moment with uh, with COVID nineteen. Like, would you would you see a different or increased usage of your site? I don't know. Maybe even just say, what was that? Ten years ago, with the financial crisis, where people turning to message boards more often like where, where, where like let's just take the moment. Where are we at at the moment? Have you seen an increase in the last couple of weeks? Well. Um, hard to tell because what I don't do is I don't have stats about visits and I don't track anyone. So most websites, when you show up, you know, there's some kind of analytics, mm -hmm. um, tracker is, is following you around and the session doesn't have any of that. Um, because I realized I wouldn't use, even if I was getting that information, which kind of feels creepy to me anyway, um, I wouldn't use it. It wouldn't influence my decision to add a new feature or change anything on the site. So I deliberately don't track usage. Um, I mean, on my server, I can see if bandwidth has increased, you know, overall amount of pages being served. And um, funny enough, actually, 
this year was a bit of an outlier, but in the sense that normally every single year there's a massive spike around St. Patrick's Day because suddenly everyone is Googling for something, something <laughs> Irish music, right? Yeah. And landing on the session because it's got, it's got good Google juice. Um, and this year with the coronavirus, there, there wasn't much happening in terms of St. Patrick's Day celebrations or anything. So um, the traffic was actually more steady, I think, this year yeah, yeah, than, than it would have been yeah. in previous years. Um, but it's interesting when, you know, when big events happen in the world, I also have, you know, fairly strict rules on, on the session about it needs to be somehow related to Irish music. So like I remember when September 11th happened, I, I relaxed that rule a bit because, you know, people were just trying to reach out no matter what the sites were about, you know, suddenly everything became about September 11th. So I, I, I let that go then, obviously. But And there have been other situations, where, you know, big, big events and someone will post something, you know, like um, fires in Australia, for example, early in the year. And I'll say, well, do do try and make the discussion somehow connected to Irish music. I appreciate what you're doing and you're reaching out to people, but we, we, ha we already have, you know, Facebook and Twitter and other places for that. So do try and tie it to, to Irish music in some way. And obviously now with the with the lockdown and the quarantines, the coronavirus, everyone's talking about that. But I mean, they are very easily able to tie it to Irish music because everyone's indoors. So everyone's talking about, okay, what do we do now? Uh, you know, how do we play sessions when we can't go outside? How do we, how do we play tunes together? Well, creativity um, is so really... So there is a lot of... Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people sharing sharing stuff, you know, online busking, online sessions, and people are going um, to the session. I got, I, I, I'm on the session a fair bit, trying to teach myself a few little bits and pieces, and people are using it to try and organize a session, an actual session, it can push the technology yeah. to whatever limits it, it it can. Like I know it's it comes with its limitations, but it's really great watching what a lot of people are bringing to the table at the minute to. This is kind of the next step, I think. Like, I think maybe when you were in the 90s waiting for the internet to come along, possibly something like this is going to force our hands into reevaluating how we how we can interact on a musical level. Yeah, although I do think it'll, it's, it also feels like, how can we use this technology to get, you know, the closest we can to having the feeling of a session? But everyone is well aware that it's, it's, it's a fairly poor substitute to... You, know, like you, you need to you need to smell them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, you're talking about the music. Being, That's what I'm missing. Being about the people, but you know, I, I mean, I am I am very much missing my my weekly Wednesday night session here in Brighton. It's um, it, it was even before all of this, it was always the highlight of my week. It was the thing like you know, I'm really looking forward to the session. And then during the session, I'd be thinking, this is great. I'm having a great time. And at the end of the session, I'd be like, that was great. That was the highlight of my week. So it's not like I even needed this whole thing to come along to make me appreciate how great we have it with the with the sessions. I already very yeah. much appreciated it. Uh, and now I'm really it's funny, yeah, cold turkey, you know. You uh, When you got into creating the session, it was about you doing a tune a week. Mm. And you're, you're, it's funny how at the moment you're actually doing something which is a little bit similar. You're doing a, is it a tune a day? Yeah, on on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, just recording, recording a tune, just once or twice around. You know, so what's the idea behind it? Honestly, just to have a bit of routine. I just thought, you know, I'll, um, every day one tune. Like that's, I can surely I can manage that. Surely I can manage one tune. It's not even a set of tunes. You know, sit down, record it. Not try not to be too precious about it. You know, leave the flubs in, kind of like I'm doing today, and uh, and just throw it online. Because there's something about so it's more it's more about 
Sorry, go ahead. No, just something about doing something repeatedly, even if it's a small thing that it turns into this cumulative uh, thing that, that you can't believe the size of it when you step back and look at all those small mm. things put together. Like the original idea with the session was literally one tune a week. And at some point you look, you step back and go, oh, it's actually turned into something big or, or at work but a, a design agency here in Brighton. And a few years back, we did an exercise. It's the, the 100, 100 days exercise where everyone picks one thing they're going to do every day for 100 days. And it, it can be a very small thing. Like I'm going to do a little sketch of a monster, one monster a day for 100 days. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's tough because, you know, around about day 35, 40, you're like, yeah, I'm out of ideas. I got nothing, but you power, you power on through. <laughs> and at the end, it's great. You look back and you've got this 100. So I did a 100 days of writing where I was going to publish 100 words every day for 100 days. Um, the tricky thing being that it had to be 100 words exactly, not 99, not 101, but 100. Um, but it was really, you know, it was a fun exercise. And there's something about doing a small thing constantly that's that's quite, I don't know, um, it's surprising then when you look back and go, oh, that's actually quite a lot that I've done, even though at no time when you were doing it, it did feel like a lot. It felt like a small thing. Like practicing, for me, practicing my instrument, I'm always... I always feel the improvement if I do 10 minutes a day every day rather than getting in three or four hour sessions. I don't I, I, I don't know, did that 10 minutes if it's if it is focused. Yeah. 10 minutes. Yeah, that is and I suppose that's that's the key, right? Yeah, I think you're so. I don't, that one yeah, thing I don't, and you're doing that. I don't think you can make up. I don't think you can go, "Oh, well, I haven't practiced all week, so I'll do like an hour or two hours now." <laughs> I have a feeling that doesn't work that way, but I mean, that's a whole other discussion, I guess. Feels good. Yeah. Have you have you always had that sense of constancy though? That I mean, that's a really um, I was going to say profound quality. It's it's just a very um, noticeable quality when I hear you describing it because it's something that I utterly lack. So um, I definitely feel it on with with towards um, the session dot org in that I feel like you have to work on the web to make something stick around. Like the default state is that's, that things kind of disappear, that, that that website that was online 10 years ago isn't online anymore. You know, that blog that somebody had is, has lapsed and now it isn't available. So you do have to work at it to keep something going. But if you get into that mindset of this is for the long haul, um, it's also very, very rewarding. And now I feel almost like um, a sense of duty in a good way. Um, towards this thing um, because you know there's, there's people who have contributed to the session who have since you know passed on um, um, but their contributions are there on this website so I feel like uh, you know I owe it to them and to their memory to to keep this stuff going so um, yeah this feeling of constancy you know you weather the ups and downs and you think this too shall pass when things aren't going great and um, yeah, to try and stay in it for the long haul, it's it's definitely um, something that drives me. I think. Well, it's probably it's hopefully I'm looking at Dom here, but hopefully it's the same journey we're on with with what we're doing with with, with this. That we continue. It's only by continuing that this is a thing. And the same with the session. Only by only for you continuing long haul, then outside of that it doesn't exist, and it's those. So stories, those memories, those those contributions that that live within th that space, and without looking at it as a long haul thing, it's not going to last 
at all. I, I actually wanted to ask you one other thing, Jeremy. Um, you know, and, and I don't know how to phrase it because I don't know quite what I'm getting at, but um, the part of yourself that is turned on by music, right? Mm. And the part that is turned on by creating something that I think of as technical online, how do those two things intersect? Or are they, the, are they just both two sides of the same coin? Or do you know what I'm getting at? I do, and I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is because I could see it either way. You could say, oh, yeah, they're similar because you're, you're making a thing. There's like a creative act. Um, but on another hand, they couldn't be more different because – my whole philosophy, like I said, with making things on the web is in it for the long haul. Like you, you put something online, you want to keep it there. It's got to stick around and you have to work at making it stick around. Whereas, you know, with Irish music, um, apart from recordings, it's a, it's an in-the-moment thing, right? Like you play in the session and you kind of had to be there, right? And if you weren't, you, you missed out. Um, and that's something I actually like about, about the music, that it is, you know, the living thing and... Um, recordings are great, and I love it when you know there's recordings of sessions or recordings of of musicians playing. But um, the real, you know, real heart of it is something that happens in the moment, and then it's gone. So from that point of view, they couldn't be more different, because everything I'm doing on the web, particularly everything to do with the session, is all about um, you know sticking around and being part of this um, long term thing, and something you know, get submitted to the session. It's my duty to to take care of it and keep it online. Whereas playing music with other people, it's it's almost like the opposite. It's like, hey, we're playing music now and um if you weren't there for it, it's it's gone now. Mm -hmm. Are you a uh, are you a kind of uh, person that is always busy? And I asked this after looking into what you do and, and what else you're involved in and the list of things that you're involved in is quite impressive. And I, I don't know, I think often with with a lot of things, if you if you want something done, give it to someone busy. So if you're busy, you're just someone who is busy and they busy themselves. Is that you? Because I, I'm, like the list of things that you're involved in is pretty fantastic. Well, no, actually, it's the opposite of me. Um, I'm incredibly lazy. <laughs> I, I really am. I'm I'm very work shy, uh, and I will do anything to get out of of work. But I'm very good get at out, really. I'm very good at giving the impression that um, that I'm doing things. So uh, I'm good at faking it. Um, but again, you know, I think because I have the attitude of trying to um, put stuff out there. When I do do something, I think, okay, how can this? Uh, how can I put this out there and make sure it sticks around? So, you know, whether that's publishing things or, you know, giving talks and recording them, stuff like that. Um, the Q, Again, it's the cumulative thing. When you step back and look at, you know, I've been making websites for more than 20 years now. So, oh, gosh, look at the, all the things, you know, he's done. Look at all these talks and all these uh, blog posts he's written. Um, yeah, that's the cumulative effect of it. But um, on any particular day, um, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm very slow and... Uh, and fairly workshop. I'll tell you what I will do is I will, um, I'll trick myself into doing something by having something else I'm supposed to be doing. Right. So oh, I'm supposed oh, to be, yeah. I'm supposed to be working on this particular feature, but I don't feel like doing that. So I'm going to write this blog post and say, ha you were supposed to be writing a blog post too. You know, so. So if you're constantly putting stuff out there, have you, or do you have a lot of, of failures and how do you deal with that? If you do, is that a, sometimes, sometimes that's a positive. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like I say, I mean, um, big missteps with the session, you know, uh, kind of the 
the whole community management of the session was was a big misstep for for a long time and um think just about the site has just about recovered from that failure now and that took took years and years really um yeah and a, certainly a learning experience and uh i'd like to say oh yeah i wouldn't have it any other way but no i do <laughs> i do wish i'd i'd address that much much sooner so yeah yeah failures yeah constantly all the time uh i think I, i'd like to just before we finish just kind of offer you uh, offer you and then any of our listeners a opportunity to follow you so the session.org again is the name of the website so i think if you're listening to this podcast you must know already the session.org if not you need to go over there it is an incredible resource um the other things that i, I just i'm just going to touch on them. I, i'd only found out about um Hofdoffer mm. in the last little while too um that is in a, could you just sum that up for us quickly uh, I, I think it's an incredible incredible uh, tool and i want to like from today that is going to be my go-to uh, so, app so how would you describe it uh Hofdoffer, it is hard to describe is um it's basically a way for you to put together your own podcast of of audio files that you find around the web so like oh i'll take this um TED Talk here, and I'll take this episode of this podcast here, and I'll take this song from over there, and um, put them together into a, a feed that you can add to your podcast player. Um, and it's something I, I built for myself because um, I, I, you know, I like audio from all different places, but I didn't want to subscribe to all these hundreds of different RSS feeds. So, so I'll make something that puts them all together, um, and then opened it up for other people to use as well. Um, and it's kind of just it's brilliant I haven't spoke to Dom sorry I haven't, I haven't spoke to Dom about it but like Dom shoots me snippets from all over all the time and when I need to listen to it I, I then go back into our WhatsApp messages and I right. try and decipher the link <laughs> like what is that what, what's that to be what? fair, to be fair um, I'm the least uh, I'm the least um, articulate uh, sharing stuff as well you know so it's just uh, a link you just get the straight link there's no context you got you have to bring the context <laughs> but it's great so i was looking at i was looking at uh huffed off thinking well brilliant like if i can just drop dom's audio clips in and that means next time i want to train to melbourne or whatever right. i can just well yeah. the next time we want to train to melbourne might six be a long time away yeah. yeah but just when you have time it's such a great um do, do you use it for um music at all like as in um, not not music as a playlist, but music researcher or um, kind of bit. It's, it's in it's, any kind of. It's a real hodgepodge of stuff. I mean, I'm, I've got all these different interests. You know, the web stuff, um, science stuff, art stuff. So, if I come across anything that's in any way interesting to me, I'll drop it in there. And then to be the occasional trad thing, like oh, there's an episode of some radio show on NPR that talks about Irish music. Right, I'll huff stuff that. I'll drop that in there. Um, though I have to say my time for then catching up on that stuff and listening to it, listening to the feed is or was um, when I'd be walking into work, which is a nice, you know, half hour, 35 minutes. Mm. And um, my podcast listening has gone down, I have to say, since I've been uh, stuck at home. Um, and anecdotally, I'm hearing that as well. Yeah, and well, absolutely in our end, like we were looking at the our listenership over the last couple of weeks just take a downward dive and initially we thought it was something we'd know we'd done because we're vain now you're competing, you're competing we went, with you know, netflix like, yeah, now everything's gone yeah yeah everyone's everyone's sitting on the couch looking at tv i also i find it hard to to break because i listen to my podcast on my 
on my phone. I don't tend to listen to it on a mm. PC. And I have the thing that serves me the horrible news in my hand. Yes. I can't disconnect. I, I, don't, I can't be trusted with that kind of power. I have to listen to one thing but not look at the... Yeah, doom like, scrolling through actually, everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. The other thing I'd like uh, just to draw attention to is your your blog, and I'm going to get the pronunciation of it wrong. Is it Adacto? Adactio. How do you pronounce it? Adactio. Adactio. Been browsing a bit of that and love what I'm reading up there. I, I know enough about web to get myself in trouble at work, so I don't really know much at all. But some of the other things in there, like today's post, I loved uh, your take on what's happening with the the virus and, and whatnot. But it's another really good resource for anyone out there. So that's adactio.com. A D A C T I O. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, I and mean, I will. I will warn people in advance that there's some very dull technical stuff on there. But then occasionally there's just you know slice of life stuff on there as well too. And what is there anything else that you uh, have us have us share or you should people should check out? Um, no, just um, if you if you are aware of the session and you use the session, then thank you very much. It. it uh, I'm so grateful to people use it. You know, listening to episodes of your podcast when people might casually throw out, you know, oh, yeah, and people look up to you. It warms my heart, you know. It makes me so, so happy. Uh, and we had, you had someone on there talking about they just moved to Australia and then they put a message up on the session. Yes. I was like, oh, totally. that's brilliant. That's, that's like I'm just beaming with joy when, when stuff like that happens. Although I will say something. And then I, someone pulls up. I, I was just going to say I was at the, the last session I was at before everything you know, went on lockdown was uh, a few weeks ago. It was an afternoon session before St. Patrick's Day and um, met a, a fiddler, this this young woman, and we didn't shake hands because, you know, we're still somewhat distancing even at that point. But at some point she was talking about some tune and I think I asked, oh, where'd you get that tune? She said, oh, I, you know, looked up on the session or something. And I said, uh, oh yeah, that's that's my website. And um, she kind of said, what, what do you mean? What do you mean it's your website? So it's like, well, I made it. Like, you know, I made the session. And she couldn't get over this. She's like, oh, that's, but I mean, it's always been there. I mean, I remember using that when I was 10 years old. And then I just felt really old. I just felt like I am so old. <laughs> Yeah, I thought you were going to say it's 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 like it's it's just it's in the Ten Commandments, yeah. you know. It's, it's that's that's how old it is, you know. It's just part of the bedrock of. Yeah. I mean, it it, yeah. it has I to be said. You know, be, it's my website. Anyway. Most sorry, go ahead. Most websites do not stick around for decades, so I, I do feel pretty pri- uh, proud that the the session is still going, and I, I I definitely plan to make sure it keeps going as as long as I'm around and and further too. I hope. Well, thank you so much for everything you do, Jeremy. Dominic, are you going to finish with something? Yeah, no, I was just going to say that. I mean, it, it's brilliant, and thanks for doing it. It's really, it's so awesome and so generous, and such a such a beautiful thing that you've created. So good on you. It was actually one of the the session users that that messaged me to to recommend that I should reach out, out to you. So, oh, that's thanks, nice. John. But um, it was one of those things when when I read the message, I was like, of oh, oh, bloody course, like that's. That's what an amazing that, that we absolutely we need to talk to Jeremy and that was literally I've read the message and messaged you straight away to organise it so I've been excited all week because knowing that that's what you do what I know I know what it means to so many people well and, and from my end it's been listening to your podcast has been great because I get to actually hear people's voices whose you know 
usernames I've been familiar mm. with for years. So you've got Jack Brennan. He's Jack B. You know, he's he's a legend <laughs> on the session. Tony O'Rourke, right? Um, fantastic to I, hear them, to hear them talking. Actually, hear their voice. There's something, you know, the session's great and all, but there's something about the um, the spoken word about about hearing people's voices that's that's pretty special. So so thank you for for getting getting these people onto your show. All right, well let's let's wrap it up then. There, I should say. Uh, yes, thank you so much as well for taking time out of your day. You're probably supposed to be working from home, but uh, thank you for making time for us. Do you think you might have another tune or a set of tunes to go out on? I'll give it a try, yeah. Um, seeing as I was talking about how much what I'm... do you have in mind? Well, as I'm very much missing the uh, the Wednesday Wednesday evening session that would normally be happening. I'll play a set of tunes um, that that we usually kick off the, the evening with. That I, I very much associate with uh, with Wednesday nights in the Jolly Brewer Pub. So uh, a couple of jigs that that normally get us going. Here we go. This is the this is the Jolly Brewer in Brighton. In Brighton, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay. That's just I like to be specific about these things because it sort of conjures up a a, a picture for me. And All right. You're you're yeah. there. It's Wednesday evening. You're in the Jolly Brewer. Half past eight, and the music starts. I just want to hear a seagull go past again. It'll be perfect. Come on, seagull. Keith, fantastic. Mate, thank you so much. For I'm putting that down as a tick of success. It sounds great. The energy's there. We, we were so reluctant to ever try something like this and our hand was forced with everything that's happening at the minute. So, Jeremy, thank you so much for um, for being patient too because uh, we're not the tech-savviest bunch <laughs> down here. Bloody brilliant. Yeah. I, was just, uh, I, hope, I hope it came across in there somewhere. I was like, I was just like, 
this is brilliant. This stuff is so interesting. And you mentioned it at the start, um, and then we got into it a bit during the interview about about archiving and, and Jeremy has his archive that's living and it's it's there for anyone to access and you know we're trying to create this as an archive and it was only during the week I learned about and many of listeners and you will probably know his name already but I'd never heard of about um, Kieran McMahona you know Kieran McMahona I don't well I always first of all I should say I always thought my Irish version of O'Mahony was McMahona I don't know if that's the right pronunciation or not. McMahoney being the Irish version. I don't know. Anyhow, Karen McMahoney was a RTE archivist and radio host for many years. And I think he died maybe about two or three years ago. And I was watching a small clip of him. And he was just, he was, he was, it, I think it was maybe actually a piece that was put together around his funeral. Anyway, he, in this small section, he was talking about archiving. And everyone was talking about the tunes, and he said, but I'm collecting the people. There's no point in collecting the tunes if you're not collecting the person. And I was sitting at it, tingles. A, because I'm like, is he related to me? But I'm like, that's what, that's what we're doing, right? Mm. It's, you're, we're making sure that we collect the tunes, but we're collecting them with the person, and kind of offering that back out again. Mm. I just thought it was a, for me, a solidified what we're doing. Once again, I Dom knows sometimes I wobble with this project. I'm like, are we doing the right thing? And it makes me think, yeah, we are doing the right thing. We are collecting these people. I'm so happy we got to talk to someone like Jeremy today who's like the, the impact that he has had within the Irish music community and scene and what he's done. As he said, when he <laughs> when he went past the 1001 episode, uh, not episode, uh, tune on the archive, it's Phenomenal! Yeah, it's astounding. It, it's it's just I love the way that he referred it to the O'Neill tune as well because I don't know just the, the referring back to that mighty mighty Tom. Yeah, that, that there's probably one in every single house in Ireland that even people in houses that nobody plays in. It's you know, still there's there. still this kind yeah. of dense. I, I was my whatever edition of that book I had, it always just looked incredibly dense. You know. 773 it's <laughs> just like tiny notation of this tunes you know, so. so look the, the takeaway of it all is um, myself and Dom are going to continue to archive the music the people and make this thing continue and I think like a breakthrough like today is really great because we know we're going to be able to continue getting those stories um, I actually took a very direct personal <laughs> A little bit of inspiration from listening to Jeremy there and the way that he talked about the cumulative effect of doing something over a long period. So that's our intention, uh, come hell or high water or global pandemic. So um, thank you to everybody who's able to help us keep doing that uh, by going to patreon.com forward slash Blarney Pilgrims and um, contributing. We understand that some people will be less able to do that right now. Um, but, you know. Yeah, if you can find that you can do it right now, you you it's it's pretty much our job now. we're all on the same boat so. so yeah if you if you think it's worth two bucks throw us two bucks yeah and um yeah uh, look after yourselves and we'll see you next week good luck thanks for listening hi my name is Rosa. i'm gonna eat um an apple
Dominic and Darwin five stars. Thank you.